Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Well, Nebraska may have outgained Michigan State 442-254. to but some very special special teams and a little Mel Tucker magic gives Michigan State a stunning 23-20 overtime win against the Cornhuskers on Saturday night. What a time to be alive. Michigan State steals one before a capacity strike the stadium crowd at the woodshed to move to 4-0 on the young season. Uh, we've also got some some transfer news that came out of nowhere, and we'll be looking ahead to the final non-conference game of the season as Western Kentucky visits Spartan Stadium. All that on episode 49 of M Live Spartan Confidential Podcast. Brandon Champion, Kyle Austin, and Matt Wenzel with you on Monday, September 27th, 2021. Guys, my voice is once again shoddy at best after another chaotic Michigan State win. Uh, this one was ugly. Michigan State thoroughly outplayed for most of the night, uh, but it, it ended up being uh, quite the place to be on Saturday night. Uh, Matt, um, what time did you get to bed? Uh, a little after seven. Wow, man. Do you just like, so are you like just nocturnal on Sundays? Basically you just got to like catch up. Well, I mean, if it's a night game, you're screwed. So you just have to pick which way you're screwed. So do you want to, are you the person who gets like the bare amount or whatever you just feel like you need to get done? And then you go to sleep at three or four in the morning and you get, you know, not enough sleep. And then you wake up early to, to do more. Or do you just say, all right, I'm just going to get done when I need to get done and bite the bullet and then go to bed at seven o'clock and hope nothing happens at 9 a.m. or something. I, I think Mel Tucker has been reading beat writer tweets because he came into the press conference uh-huh. and immediately made a uh, night game reference and then told everyone to sleep fast, I believe, before before he left. So I, I think he's uh, I think he's paying attention to what we're saying. I don't think he can help help us at all, but at least he's listening. I guess. He's just messing with us. That's fine. <laughs> I, I understand it. I, but I totally get how. Plenty of other, the rest of the people, most people like night games. That's fine. I talked about this before. That's totally fine. I'm just going to complain about it from my personal point of view. So I, I totally get it. That's fine. Hey, well, at least there's not more coming up, right? Oh, yeah. It's a <laughs> half hour later this week. So great. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Yeah. I didn't like Mel, Mel, like say something to Colton or whatever. What do you think <laughs> about those night games? And yeah, because he was the one who's kind of like, I love them, but uh, I don't know. Oh, man. Beat reporters, sob stories. Here we are again talking about it. Uh, well, you know, the rest of us enjoyed it quite a bit because uh, it ended up with a big victory. It was a, it was a tense night, a stressful night, uh, quite the game there. Um, I didn't get 
back home until like 1 1 30 so it was pretty wild but um we'll get to that in a second here if you could please like rate and review the podcast be very much appreciated hit us up on twitter check out our work at mlive.com slash spartans uh if you have any questions uh hit us up because there's plenty to talk about coming out of this one uh as i said michigan state pulls out a 23 20 victory um and uh in a game where they were quite honestly thoroughly outplayed for a lot of the night uh the place despite you know mel tucker's pleas to be electric uh there was a few moments there i mean it, it was a pretty good crowd most of the night i would say but there was a, a, a period there it was pretty quiet the the tiny nebraska contingent was chanting go big red go big red and then and then boom Jaden reed happened so uh, quite a night at spartan stadium matt yeah, I mean, it it was a decent first half for Michigan State. You know, they had a 13-10 lead. They should have been up by more. They had two trips inside the 10 that ended up in field goals. They had that late scoring opportunity in the first half that they botched on the bad snap. So, you know, I didn't think they played a bad half. I just thought they should have been up by more. And then they just get completely shut down in the second half. I mean, I am... I, you know, I was here, I was covering the 18 and the 19 teams, the, the offensively challenged teams, but I'm trying to remember a half, um, obviously the Michigan game, I think 18 stands out where they only had 90 some yards for the whole game. But I mean, I just never red box bowl, maybe. <laughs> well, the red box bowl is just so damn ugly start to finish, but at least they, I mean, they had first downs that, you know, they would move the ball an inch or two. And, you know, I mean, I just, I, it, they had basically no business winning this game when you have you have five possessions in the second half, all five or three and outs. You pick up, what is it, 14 yards in the entire second half. I mean, just one yard, you're down by in the fourth quarter and you have one yard of offense in the fourth quarter and you win. It just, I mean, it's complete, it's a complete insanity. Um, now credit them because the defense could not get off the field. Um, obviously didn't help that they were out there the whole time because the offense can get a first down, but you know, it's for them to only hold, to hold Nebraska to 20, giving up more than 400 yards offense. That's, you know, obviously good. They, you know, they got a few stops and they needed seven sacks, which is the most in a decade um, since we had nine against, well, most since seven against Western 15 and they've had it a couple other times, but last time they had more was 10 years ago. Um, you know, a few big plays, turnovers, Panasuk played well, had the strip sack. Kimbrough with the interception in overtime. Reed, obviously, the punt return. Goggle with the kick. And, yeah, I mean, just they did enough to win. And that's – I am credit to them. You know, found a way to pull it out and stay undefeated. Yeah. And Mel Tucker was making no apologies after the game. You know, he, he kept talking about it. You know, yeah, some I've been on a lot of good teams, he said. You know, and, and you're always going to win games like this. When you win games, you probably shouldn't. You, pro- you find a way to do it. Um, I mean, this was one of those just sitting there watching in the second half. I mean, I mentioned how the crowd was out of it. I mean, it's hard. Like, you can only rely on the defense so much to get a crowd going. And when your offense just doesn't get big plays or doesn't get first downs, like, it's it's just inevitable. The crowd, if they don't have anything to cheer about, it's going to get a little bit apathetic and uh, I feel like everything was going right for Nebraska there in the second half. Uh, Spartan Stadium was pretty quiet. They were slowly, methodically moving the ball down the field. Like you said, the defense couldn't get off the field. Um, but then, like, 
you know, timely stuff happens like a sack or, um, I mean, Chester Kimbrough's pick in overtime was obviously ridiculous. It was such a big play and, um, these timely turnovers just keep grinding and, and, and good things will happen, I guess. And it seems like Mel, you know, he has this keep chopping thing where, you know, it's just forget about the next play, move on to the next, move on to the next, move on to the next. It's, it's kind of cliche, but if you really can like instill that mindset into a team where it's like, okay, just forget about that play move on to the next particularly if you're a corner who's getting beat at times. And then you just have that mindset, you come up and make a big play. I mean, that was all on display on Saturday night, a resilient win. And it, it was impressive to watch uh, Michigan state come out with that win. But I was like thinking about other games, like, you know, not obviously not the same thing or same circumstance, but like every time I watch the Baylor cotton bowl, I'm, I'm like still watching it. I'm like, how the heck, like, how do they win this game? Like, how does it happen? And I have a feeling down the road when I look back on this game, that might be how it feels. We're still watching games that are seven years old. <laughs> well, Big Ten Network <laughs> loves that game, Matt, and it was okay. a good one. I'll watch it any day. I'll watch it any day. Okay, fair but, enough. Uh, but uh, I mean, so let's let's point out some big guys here. Uh, you know, I, we'll start with the bad. Actually, Drew Brees, Drew Beasley goes down. Uh, that's a big loss. I noticed Jeff Petrowski making a lot of big plays after he came in. Um, but but we don't have an injury update on Beasley, correct? No, Mel. After the game said, you know, the we'll know we'll know a lot more tomorrow. And he gave his he'll be he'll be sore. That seems to be the go to line now. Uh, sore, but I mean. <laughs> The guy got carted off the field. He was sitting on a stretcher with a boot on his foot during right foot during the second half. That doesn't look good. Now they, now those boots have been on for big reasons and small as we've seen over the years. So it's hard to say, but you know, he couldn't put any weight on his, on his right leg. It appeared. And if they have to bring out the cart and he's not apparently able to even just, you know, limp around on crutches after the game, that's probably not a good sign. And, and, you know, Drew was playing really well um, this season. And, you know, early especially, he was in, oh, was it the first sack? He was the one, I think, that got got to uh, Martinez. And then Crouch came in and cleared it up, cleaned it up. And then he was in there again on another play. I can't remember. But, you know, it was just, you know, it's football. It was a bad break. Um, Darius Snow was coming in trying to sack Martinez. Dove, didn't get him, and just, you know, rolled up on his foot. And, you know, that stuff happens, obviously, unintentional. And. You know, hopefully for Drew, a uh, guy who's been playing well, coming back for six year. Hopefully, it's uh, nothing long term. And then uh, you got, uh, I mean, uh, I mean, Petrowski. Xavier, yeah, Petrowski. Yeah, what Petrowski you, played. Was I just seeing things, or because I was oh, he, seeing him making good plays? He, out he there. played really well. He had uh, I think one and a half sacks. He had the fumble recovery on the strip sack from Panasuk. He's a guy that we've talked about before. That you know. Physically, with a height like that, Mel probably wouldn't recruit a guy like that just because of the size of the, the limitations. But he's a guy that since last year that, you know, Mel and, and the assistants have been talking constantly about a guy who just, you know, as a true freshman last year was stepping up as a, as a good leader and just the effort he gives. And we see that on the field. Um, so, yeah, he's playing really well. They're going deep on the D-line still, and, and they're going to need to with some guys out. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, Petrowski is definitely a, stepping up and playing well. And then you mentioned Henderson. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this is two weeks in a row. He's played every snap. I joked after the game that he actually thought he was felt pretty fresh going into overtime, coming off the Miami game, which uh, credit to credit to him. Uh, but yeah, I mean, seventeen tackles. Uh, that's, that's the most crazy. The most in uh, in five years. Um, so yeah, I mean, 
he's not coming off the field. He's playing well. Um, he's leading and he remains the best quote on the team. So we love to talk to Xavier as often as they'll bring him out. Yeah. He, uh, he gives us good stuff. The, the next time I hear a football player admit he retired will be the first time. It's something about the culture of football. Basketball players will admit it. Like I remember Cassius Winston telling us all the time he was gas. But yeah, football player. A football player has never been tired in his life. But if there's ever a player who should have been tired, it was Xavier uh, on Saturday. I will well, say, Dave, if somebody was, but if, Aaron somebody, Henry. <laughs> if somebody was going to admit it, it'd probably be Xavier because he's pretty honest with us. Um, but I asked him about the Miami game, and he basically said, "Yeah, you know, it's hot." I guess I should have probably, I could have probably came out for a couple snaps given Kendall Brooks few reps, but I didn't want to come off the field, whatever. But yeah, Xavier, great quote. Oh Good yeah. Guy. And Aaron Henry doesn't have time to get tired. Remember Kyle? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Aaron Henry did not get tired. <laughs> um, but I mean, all right, we got to count him out here. Uh, Bryce Berenger, man, this guy, huge impact in the game i know matt you love to fit in some you know special teams corner with matt wenzel but i think it actually is warranted in this game because you get the massive kyle i saw you did the story on Jaden reed and how they sort of set the punt up and that was a call that could have gone either way um so if you want to talk about how they sort of drew that up in a little bit you can but first bryce behringer man huge factor in this game punting the ball deep uh i mean i think he had six punts averaged almost 59 yards per punt he had one that went 67 I think he's top five in the country now in terms of average punt. I think he's averaging over 50. Um, I mean, we've seen, you know, Mark D'Antonio throughout the years use the punting game as, as a huge weapon to play the field position battle. Mel Tucker did that in this game, but you know, it's a punter, but this guy, you know, he's got the, he's got the rec specs on, he's got the facial hair. Like it's just like your classic quirky punter, but this guy, man, he had a huge impact in this game. Yeah. And credit to him. You know, he's, it's, it's quite the interesting story going back and this and Saturday night was kind of like remembering the insanity that was the 2018 season at punter for Michigan state because Hartbarger gets hurt in, in at the Arizona, in the Arizona state game, Rocky Lombardi comes in and, and is the, takes the last punt of the game that following Tuesday, Mel or not, Mel, sorry, Mark, um, had Rocky listed as the starting punter on the depth chart and, oh yeah, that's what's going to happen. And then the following week at Indiana was the number 12s game. We can bring Chris on to talk about that and lose his mind. Um, but that's when they added Behringer and he basically, they picked him. He basically went from his couch to the team. Um, and then it was Behringer and Tyler Hunt that were splitting time and Hunt beat him out for the job. And then Hunt tears his ACL and it's Behringer and then William Kristup. And then Pristup wins the job. And, and, and then so Saturday night, William Pristup for Nebraska, and he struggled to say the least. He had a seven-yard punt, and they were flipping, switching guys. Um, but Behringer, who, who wasn't even with the team in the 19 season and came back last year, he's been, he's been really solid so far this year. You know, he battled some inconsistencies before. You saw it last year where it would be like, you know, good punt, good punt, shank, good punt, good punt, shank, and, and just – you know, they just didn't have that consistency. And we've seen it so far this year. Like you said, he's fifth in the nation in punting 50.3 yards per attempt. And he was definitely big for Michigan state on Saturday night. I, I struggle to think of a game where that makes having a good punter, like so apparent because not only was Bryce Berenger really good and he was, but you compare him to what Nebraska had and he looks like a God out there, you know? Um, and just that disparity that, that played a huge role in the game because, um, you know, not only was Nebraska getting, you know, 10 yard punch off and not, not capitalizing on field position at all, 
Um, they're the only ones moving the ball. If you can't punt, punt it at all, you're not going to be able to capitalize on the field position, pin them deep or anything. Uh, but the big one was, you know, the punt return touchdown. Uh, so Michigan State runs the, you know, the decoy, the misdirection. If you didn't see it on TV, which my understanding is the TV broadcast basically didn't point it out. Um, basically, Michigan State put Jalen Naylor and Jaden Reed back there. He punts it. Um, Naylor starts waving his hand. I think he was trying to basically fake a fair catch. Um, so he basically draws every player on the field towards him. And that basically allowed Jaden Reed to catch the ball on the other side of the field um, and go score. So that was part of the reason they scored. But the other part is Scott Frost was uh, very quick to point out after the game was that uh, his player punted it completely to the wrong side of the field. Uh, they saw two guys back there and they said, don't kick it to number one. He's the guy you don't want the ball. <laughs> so the guy not only kicks it right to Jaden Reed, but it was a low line drive too. So if you watch Jaden Reed on that point, he's basically able to start sprinting and catch the ball on a run. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, it, it was, a, to me, that play was a confluence of Michigan state, you know, running some trickery and that helping, but if, if Nebraska punts the way they're supposed to punt or even close to it in that play, it doesn't happen. So, um, credit to, to Michigan state and obviously Jaden Reed did his thing, but yeah, very, very apparent the value of punting. I believe the former Michigan state coach used to call the punt, the most important play in football, which. I think we roll our eyes at sometimes, but there is, there is some merit to it being a little bit more important than most people think. <laughs> and, yeah. and it leaves That's me Jim kicking Harbaugh. myself. I, so for the last, I think, three years, the previous three years, and I do like 10 preseason prediction for Michigan State for the season. I think the last three years, maybe, but I know at least multiple years I've picked, this will be the year they break, they, they snap their uh, streak with no return touchdowns on punts and kickoffs because it had been forever. And I didn't do it this year, I think. So I missed out that timing. <laughs> uh, yeah, huge oh, play wow. in the game. Yeah, and we were, I mean, Kyle and I were looking. I think it was the first punt return. Kyle's like, you know, point out, did they have two guys back there on punts before this year? And I'm like, I don't think so. I don't remember seeing that. And they didn't do it the whole night, if I remember. I think they had it early and then late, right? And I don't, yeah. I don't recall seeing no, they, it the they, whole game. They, they were clearly setting it up because the first time you send two guys back, that's a tell, right? So, I mean, I think they were yeah. probably setting that up, and they, they had the perfect opportunity to run that play um, mm-hmm. when, they, when they did. Yeah, because the one that came later when Michigan State got the ball back before overtime, it was just Jaden Reed back there. So yeah. the one when he called the fair catch. Uh, but yeah, I mean, obviously special teams, Mel Tucker was talking about it postgame, how he was showing players uh, special teams plays from across the country and how they had an impact on the game. And uh, sure enough, this this one does it. I mean, I, we, I was sitting on that side of the stadium where Reed returned it and I mean, everyone on that side of the stadium could just see nothing but green grass in front of him. And he sort of comes up and gets a running start like a center fielder having to throw someone out at the plate. And he was just gone. I mean, untouched, basically. Um, Place going nuts, obviously sends it to OT. And then the big the big pick by Chester Kimbrough, who apparently people call Chaz. Did you see that real quick? So I guess we call him Chaz Kimbrough now. Um, His Instagram handle. All right. Well, there you go. There you Matt, go. Matt, the Matt's really know. big in Instagram. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I had to with with I hadn't looked at Instagram in probably six years or five years, and then with name, image, and likeness, I was like, oh damn it, not another social media platform. I don't feel old for this, so I had to like dust it off and see who's sponsoring what. You know, all good for them. Make the money. I don't care, but I'm just another, another complaint from an old person. It's just going to keep coming, Matt. The the social media will never stop. Uh, but so we did get some news. I mean, obviously they lost drew Beasley, uh, chase Klein and Kalen Gervin, two holdovers from the, 
uh, Mark D'Antonio era announcing they're going to transfer after or uh, yesterday the news came down, um, which sort of, you know, kind of brings me to a question I have where, you know, we're four games in now. Um, and we just mentioned Petrowski. He was a D'Antonio guy. But I mean, the, all the talk coming into the season, right, was how are these transfers going to mess with the guys that were there before? You know, four games in, I think we have some evidence that it's working fine. There's some other things that I, I don't think have worked as well. But now you've got two uh, D'Antonio standouts that are leaving the program. Um, so, Matt, I guess what was your reaction to the transfers? I know the timing makes sense in terms of redshirt availability. But, like, what was your – what do you make of the transfers? How does it impact the team? And how, how would you answer that question as to how the transfers are meshing with the guys who are already on the team? Um, well, they also had Alex Akello, fresh, true freshman D and he ended right, up on Saturday. So we got three in, um, you know, two days there. Um, to start with, with Gervin and Klein, I mean, I, I think the timing is interesting, but I can't say it's a surprise for either of them. You know, I thought coming into the season with, you know, Gervin was the only guy with, you know, cornerback experience returning scholarship guy. And, and, um, but you know, you thought, well, Ron Williams, you know, Chester Kimbrough, these other guys, he's going to have to fight, you know, to keep his spot. And that's, that's what it showed to be, you know, Gervin started the first two games, but um, he has taken a backseat since. So uh, let's see, he played pro football uh, focus credits and with 25 defensive snaps for the Miami game, he did not play on defense on Saturday night. Uh, We've seen him on special teams. And so, I mean, I guess that's kind of the message is that, you know, Kimbrough, and that was this as short of a rotation as they viewed that corner all season on on Saturday night. Um, it was basically Kimbrough and Williams the whole game. Brantley came in for like a play or so. Um, and, you know, he had to sit out the first half because of the targeting call the week before. But it would appear that, you know, moving forward, at least going into this week, it was Williams, Kimbrough, Brantley and Gervin behind him, you know, minus there being some sort of injury stuff, which it doesn't appear because he played special teams. So, you know, that's just the way it is. And with Klein, well, you know, depending on the way they shuffled their linebackers, you'd say he was somewhere between third and fifth in the rotation, probably towards the back end of that. You know, it was, you know, we saw Van Summer in, although Klein, I think he played like 20 snaps or something last this week. Was, it wasn't was he it involved wasn't in a sack? I thought he, they gave yeah, him yeah, a half yeah, sack. He, yeah, he was in there, you know, so, but he, must not be playing as much as, as he wants um, or imagine, you know, he was the top uh, backup last year, played a good amount, especially when, when Simmons went down at Iowa, but, you know, he was in the Knicks regularly this season. It's, you know, it's been Crouch and Halliday, you know, they've been the, the, the starters the whole time. And we've kind of seen them staying on the field more as the season's gone on. You know, they've worked in Van Summer and they've worked in Klein. They've worked in, um, uh, missing a name here that's escaping Noah me Harvey but Noah Harvey yeah Noah Harvey who's played sparingly um but pro football focus has climbed for 74 defensive snaps this year which is not a ton but it's not nothing so I mean I don't know I don't I guess my think would be that you stick out the season because you know I mean I know the red shirt thing but these guys are you know these guys are fourth year players already they're already going to get the COVID year from last year um so I don't know that's up, you know, timing, whatever that's up to them. But I, I mean, I'm not surprised really um, to, that either of them are, are looking for a new school. I just thought it, they might wait till after the season to, uh, to do so. No, but yeah, th- 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 this to me is the new reality in, uh, in college athletics now, football and basketball with, with the immediate eligibility. I mean, nobody's going to want to be a third stringer 
Um, and the, the moment it's clear that you're a third stringer, I mean, you're out of there. I mean, Tommy's York talked about this a lot. You know, he talked about, you know, what if I hold summer practices and, you know, I, I you know, people get a sense of where things stand, you know, is my third, my third string center, is he gone by August, you know, or if we go on a foreign trip, you know, is my third string point guard, figure out he's the third string during the foreign trip and, and both, you know, maybe some of that's a little bit of hyperbole, but I think it's, I think it's the case. I mean, people see, okay, I can, I don't have much opportunity to play here. I can go immediately eligible play somewhere else. Um, I think that's a path. A lot more guys are going to take as opposed to when you had to sit. So um, to me, that's a consequence. I mean, it, you can look, I mean, you can look at it as better for the players. They're giving themselves the opportunity. You can look at it as, um, you know, maybe not great for the teams. I think, you know, some of these teams are probably going to struggle with depth if this keeps happening, you know, cause guys are going to get hurt. Um, you're going to need more guys. So, um, you know, I'm basketball starting practice this week. They've got 11 scholarship players. They've never carried 11 scholarship players before, but that's because, you know, you can't really build the depth that you used to be able to on these teams. So I, I think you need good ones and twos and you need to hope that nobody gets hurt. How, well, speaking of that, Matt, I mean, how do you look at this more so with Klein? I think, I mean, linebackers should be fine, but Beasley going out. Gervin now is off the team. Uh, I mean, the depth on defense I think Michigan state has prided themselves early on in the season, getting a lot of guys in there and maybe that's going to pay off. Maybe that was some of Mel and Scotty Hazleton prepping for potential departures. But um, I mean, who are maybe, are there guys that maybe are going to have to slide in and play more? Are we going to see more drew Jordan? Are we going to see more? I mean, who do you see having to step up here uh, with these guys, with these departures? Well, we'll see about Beasley, but it doesn't look promising in the short term. Um, but we've already talked Panasuk's playing. You know, that was probably the best game he's played um, in his five years at Michigan State on Saturday. Um, Trowski obviously stepping up. Drew Jordan, you know, he's, you know, the grad transfer from Duke. We've seen him. Michael Fletcher, um, he's the other guy. And, and then, you know, it's going to get a little dicey with, with the depth. If Beasley is out, you know, Jack Camper was out this week. Um, Octavian Brown has been out the last two games. We don't have an update on him. So I guess the good news for Michigan state is they went really deep on the defensive line so far this year. And now that depth might get tested a little more. Look at a guy like Avery Dunn to maybe play some more. So, I mean, they've got guys there um, and they've used the, the bodies to rotate and keep try and keep guys fresh, but you, you know, you, you know, you don't want there to be a drop-off and we'll see how much of a drop-off there'll be if, if Beasley's going to be out for an extended period of time and their depth gets tested a little bit more there as the season goes on. Do you think there's any chance they mess with the nickelbacks or, I mean, Angelo gross played corner. He's been thriving at safety. So I doubt you're moving him back, no, but no, I think uh, they're fine. Yeah. No, they're, they've got, you know, they've got three guys that I apparently trust the most at corner with Gervin now um, looking for a new school. So they've got Williams, Kimbrough and uh, Brantley. And if they go deeper beyond yeah. that, you know, we'll see we, you know, either Kari Crump and, uh, Marky Lowry or two other uh, transfer additions at that position. Neither of them were dressed on Saturday. Um, but no, I, you know, I think, I think they'll be okay there. Uh, Nickel, they, they basically, they were just Dowell and, and snow on Saturday. So they look pretty right. set there. Xavier isn't coming off the field. Gross is barely coming off the field. So they're not, they haven't really gone deep at safety at all this year, other than, you know, Youngstown state where you can just throw anybody you want in the game at that point in time. But if injuries were to pop up at, at corner, then you then you could be have a problem. Well, and it, it could be starting this week. If, you know, we'll jump. We'll look ahead to to the next week here. Uh, Western Kentucky's coming into town. It's it's the last uh, of the non conference games. Uh, they're coached by Tyson Helton. It's his third year. He's fifteen and thirteen. 
Uh, Western Kentucky, I believe, is one and two on the season uh, with a win over UT Martin in the opener and lost uh, a three-point game to Army and a two-point game to Indiana last week, which I know was a game, you know, they kept putting it back up on the scoreboard uh, because Michigan State plays Western Kentucky and Indiana. And uh, I guess we got kind of a look or an idea of what those teams might look like. Uh, I mean, Western Kentucky you want to talk about corners and corners needing to play well. And, you know, it's been a question mark sort of, I would say uh, so far in the year, Michigan state's past defense. Obviously we saw Charleston Ramble have a big game. Adrian Martinez was able to compete, compete or complete some of those underneath passes. It sort of seems like it's been a bend don't break sort of philosophy, but I mean, Western Kentucky is the second leading passing offense in the country at over 426 yards per game starts with the quarterback Bailey Zappi. I believe he's a transfer from Houston Baptist, um, but he's 87 for 119, 1,224 yards, uh, 13 touchdowns and two interceptions. Their leading rusher on the season has 23 attempts. Uh, so Western Kentucky doesn't even try and run the ball. They probably wouldn't be able to run the ball against Michigan state anyways. Um, so Michigan state knows what they're going to be prepping for in this game. It's another night game, much to Matt's chagrin, uh, seven 30, I believe is the, is the kick it's on big 10 network. The line started at eight. I see it up to 10 and a half already in some places and an over under anywhere between 59 and 61 and a half. So Vegas expecting some points here. Um, but it's all about the passing game with the Hilltoppers. Yeah. When I did like a schedule look ahead to, you know, Michigan State schedule for this year back in, I remember when it was the summer, some point in time. I remember getting to Western Kentucky and being like, huh, this looks interesting. They brought in, they brought in 28 transfers. Um, so they, they definitely dove into that end of the pool with Mel uh, too. Uh, and, they, and what they did, they brought in, they, they kind of imported Houston Baptist's offense. They brought in their OC, they brought in Zappy, and they brought in like, Three, three of their receivers. So it, it is a pretty wild setup, um, but very interesting. And Zappi's, I mean, I don't, I mean, I don't get the line moving up in this one because I think this is going to be a you know a big challenge for Michigan State defensively to to defend this kind of stuff. Um, you know, like you mentioned his numbers. I mean, he, he is what is he uh, third in the country in passing efficiency, second in yards per game, thirteen touchdowns. Yeah, it's going to be a challenge for them. Um, and It'll be really interesting to see how they know, you know, like you said, Western Kentucky isn't going to even really try to run the ball other than, you know, for token reasons here and there. But um, it, it'll be big pressure on Michigan State to try and handle the secondary. And, and you saw what um, what Western Kentucky's done. You know, they only lost by three to Army and two to Indiana. So this is a, this is a quality opponent coming in. Yeah, I, I think people sort of like look at the schedule and they see, oh, you know, casual football fans will just be like Western Kentucky. What the heck is that? You know, like uh, they're in Conference USA, so not a power power league. But, you know, college football diehards will know that Western Kentucky has been one of the best teams in that league in pretty much the recently. Uh, I think they won in 16, uh, the conference. I think they won in 15. They've been a factor in other years, but they're known for this high flying uh, offense. So. Um, it's going to be unique, uh, a unique challenge, certainly a different challenge. I think that Michigan state is going to be seeing in the big 10 for most of the season. Um, so they're going to spread them out and, uh, I, we'll see right away. I mean, Kalen Gervin, it's not a great week to lose an experienced corner. Uh, the guy who's the most experienced in the system. It's not great to, to have him go. And then you've got some younger guys out there. So, 
Uh, it's going to be a challenge, but um, hopefully Michigan State is ready to rise to the occasion. I don't think Mel's going to have them overlooking anyone. Um, he seems like a pretty brass tacks, take it one week at a time guy. But I mean, Jareth Stearns is their main guy. 23 catches for 360 yards. He's got four touchdowns on the season. Uh, let's see. Mitchell Tinsley has 219 yards receiving. So they're going to, there's a, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, or three guys with at least 14 receptions. So they'll spread it around. You can't just key on one guy. It's going to be interesting. And you always worry about that letdown game after a big emotional home win. Uh, you got an inferior opponent, at least on paper coming in. So Michigan state's going to have to be ready to play on this one, uh, for this one. If you can just give it to nine, get Kenneth Walker going, control the ball and keep that offense off the field. That might be the best idea for Michigan state. But, um, we saw, I mean, last week that Nebraska was able to bottle Kenneth Walker up to a certain extent. Um, so, I mean, it seems like that might be a decent strategy. I would not expect that to be the same case on Saturday. Nebraska, we saw, no. you know, they, they they were good defensively, especially against the run. They didn't give, give them much room. But, uh, you know, Western Kentucky, this is going to be – if they're going to win <laughs> – they're going to win this game. They're going to probably need to score 40 points, let's be honest. Um, you know, they are giving up 30, almost 31 a game. They're giving up almost 225 on the ground, nine touchdowns. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this is kind of the – I don't know. I wouldn't, I mean, Michigan's been pretty balanced, so I don't know that you'd say strength or strength, but, um, you know, difference between the two offensively, but, you know, they're going to look to throw the ball around. Michigan should have the advantage in the Michigan state should have the advantage in the run game. And I don't know, kind of go from there. I was going to say, you called a Michigan once in that little, little spiel and you almost did it twice. So I was going to have to call Michigan. Yeah, but that's okay. We'll forgive you. I'm just talking fast and, 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 you know, (laughs) get to the point. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. (laughs) <laughs> he, he, he fought back the other night. I don't know if you mentioned that. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kyle, do you have any thoughts on this matchup? Are you, do you know anything about Western Kentucky? Uh, I do not. I am, I'm flipping totally to basketball mode here. First practices on Tuesday. So uh, Matt, you're going to be needing a lot less from me going forward. Um, just kidding. No, I'll, um, I, I rely on Matt to do the opponent previews um, and um, look, looking forward to, I mean, I just want to see if, uh, um, what they what they change on offense, you know, if that was just a one half thing and Nebraska really got their number, or if um, or if this is going to be an ongoing thing, and I, I'm not sure. Like Matt said, I'm not sure that Western Kentucky has you know the the personnel to do anything like what Nebraska did. But there's a lot of other Big Ten teams on the schedule that do, and if Nebraska showed some way to slow that offense down, some sort of formula, I think that's something you got to be figuring out right now if you're Michigan State and Mel Tucker staff. Yeah, we were getting nervous watching it. It looked a lot like the old uh, regime there for a little bit or last year for a little bit in that second half. I mean, Peyton Thorne couldn't really get anything going. The pressure was getting to him. Uh, Receivers. Actually, there were some times. I mean, Jalen Naylor didn't even have a catch. Uh, Thorne missed a couple guys actually if i if i think back to the game he had some guys that were open and he kind of missed them but you know they made the plays when they needed to i guess but uh you know michigan state it's going to be good for them to to go up against it they're not going to win every game guys let's we need to check ourselves here but but you're Uh, going to pick them to win every game i think no i'm not but i am going to pick them to beat western (laughs) kentucky i can tell you that much but come on we talked about it the schedule is front is backloaded this year so you know we're gonna we're gonna get to those challenging games where we're gonna have to look at it um but i mean i don't think any of us are gonna be picking against them against western kentucky are we no i I mean i think they'll win i you know i think they'll have more talent on the field um but i think it'll be a challenge for them defensively i think they're gonna 
you know, they'll have to put up the points to, to match because I don't think they're going to be able to completely shut down uh, Western Kentucky's passing attack. What do you what do you think for a score? Uh, I don't know. How about 35 to 24? I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll look a little bit closer to that. i just throw something off the wall. Yeah, I, I was thinking two touchdowns, too. I'd go 42-28, I think, offense. We'll, we'll get moving a little bit in this one, and um, I would pick – I would right now – lines move to 10.5. I'd predict them to cover that right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I mean, the line's moving up. I mean, the line last week freaked everyone out right from the start with just three, and Vegas, obviously, as usual, they're right. Vegas is always right. I don't know how they do it, but they are. <laughs> um, but they the line is moving further apart in this game, so – um, you know, I think Michigan state's going to be able to handle them, you know, Western Kentucky. Uh, I don't see them stopping Kenneth Walker, Peyton Thorne. This offense is just too explosive for this team. Uh, so yeah, Kyle, I was thinking around the same lines as you 42, 24 Michigan state win against Western Kentucky. And that will put them at five and oh, and, uh, that would be a pretty remarkable September. I don't think, um, you know, beginning of season, uh, none of the prognosticators would have thought Michigan state would be ranked at this time. So, uh, some encouraging results from Mel Tucker and the crew so far early on in the season, but of course, uh, four and eight doesn't look great either. So as Mel Tucker, I'm sure was reminding the guys, uh, in the locker room that they're going to have to play better overall, uh, than they did against Nebraska. If they want to continue to have success on this season, because there's tougher opponents on the way. It starts with Western Kentucky. It's a night game again this weekend. Uh, Strip the stadium looked great, though, by the way. Nice work, everyone, on that. And I, I was surprised by the lack of Nebraska fans. What about you guys? I, I was a little bit, too. Um, I mean, the, the, the thing is you see them so well because they wear the red, which contrasts mm-hmm. so much. Uh, so you definitely see them. But, you know, they didn't travel nearly as well. There were plenty of open seats available they could have snatched up. So I, I don't know if all this losing is finally, finally getting to uh, – Nebraska fans or what's going on, but I was a little surprised by that too. Yeah. The hashtag was make it like Christmas and it definitely wasn't Christmas. Yeah. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> it was, it was, a lot, it was really festive colors there Saturday night, but uh, you know, I don't know. Like, I mean, that's a haul from Nebraska. I don't know how many fans they have locally, but you know, when you're, when you're struggling, like they're struggling and you got a coach who I don't think uh, a lot of the, uh, I think a good portion of the fan base probably doesn't have a ton of faith in being able to turn this around. Uh, you get a little bit of apathy there. Um, and uh, Frost, uh, <laughs> you may have left a punter or two in his Lansing <laughs> on Saturday night. He was not very happy. <laughs> yeah, like you, can have him back. <laughs> you can have them back. <laughs> All right, cool. Yeah. Well, uh, that's going to do it for this episode of MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. Uh, we appreciate everyone for listening. Michigan State escapes with a victory. Uh, a punt return gets it done. Coglin nails the field goal in overtime. And uh, as they say, the rest is history. So uh, they're 4-0, and they're moving forward as we head into October here. But we appreciate everyone for listening. And for Kyle Austin and Matt Wenzel, I'm Brandon Champion. Thank you once again for listening to MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. We'll talk to you next time, and go green.